You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good afternoon, Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reach, your resident guru. We are here today with a very special guest, a good friend of mine. Actually, we're trying to figure out how long this has been, Julie, and my great and wonderful engineer, Jessica. I have just gotten back from a long trip. Uh, well, I was out seeing family, caught a horrendous cold. So excuse me if I'm barking into the microphone or hacking or wheezing. Um, I'm going to do my best to monitor my voice, but I think it's going to sound a little deeper, maybe a little sexier. But anyways... <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to read a small disclaimer before we get started today. The information in the podcast is for educational pers- per- excuse me, educational purposes only, and it's not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by qualified mental health professionals, which is me, but I am here doing my own thing today with my girl, Julie. Julie, I'd like to thank you for coming in to see us today. How Thanks. are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Right Exciting. on. I'm so glad you're here. I have known Jules for a very long time. Um, actually her family was across the street from us for many, many years. They're still there. I knew you then. You knew me when I was a caterer and a chef. Mm-hmm. You helped me I out a couple. I serve with you. Yeah, yes, was that fun. was fun. We always had fun. Julie, Julie, you like to laugh. I so do. It's a lot of fun. So we have a lot of fun laughing and so forth. But additional to that, Jules is also in recovery like I am. We were just talking about it now. Jules, you have 14 years in recovery right yep. now? September 18th, I had 14 years. Right on. Good for you. And you have a wonderful new husband. I do. Gordon. Yep. Who seems to be like a great man. I have not met him yet. And a beautiful son, Jax, who is six. Yep. How are you digging being a mom? Oh, my gosh. Being a mom. I mean, aside from the fact that I feel like it's such a miracle because God yeah. knows I never uh, thought that would be my life. Yeah. And like I'm I'm, I'm actually like good at it. Like, oh. Who knew that was going to happen? Um, it's That's the best awesome. gift of ever of life for sure. And Gordon is um, we're really so different. But he is I feel like we make sense together. That's awesome. That's wonderful when you find somebody that you deeply connect with. Jules has not been without her problems. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I am from Gross Point. Julie is also from Gross Point. Um, I say this because um, a lot of times people from where you and I grew up don't come out publicly and talk about their addiction problems unless they're a star. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I haven't reached that potential yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> But <laughs> we're on our way. We're on our way. Absolutely. So, I mean, and I think it's very important because, um, did you go to South? No, I went to Catholic, all oh, girls. I oh, went to you, Star of the Sea. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Last okay. graduating class, 1993. Oh, wow, that is wild. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so you're a good Catholic girl oh, like yeah. me. Perfect. But Perfection. Absolutely. But I did go. I went to North. Okay. okay. And so you and I knew everybody. So and anybody who doesn't know, Gross Point is a very wealthy community. My family didn't have a whole lot of money, but we did have a home in Gross Point. Yeah, we were like normal, too. Yeah. Like five kids, so we needed a yep. house to 
But it wasn't – we were not excess wealth either. For normal. sure. But we grew up with a lot of wealthy people. For sure. Yeah. Lots. And unfortunately, what comes along with that is a lot of um, addiction. Yep. And that's like – kind of kept under wraps. Nobody really talks about it. They swoop their kid off to rehab or whatever it may be. Um, it's all cloak and dagger. It's not spoken of. But in our, in the, in the universe you and I grew up in, which is isolated from a whole lot of people, um, you know, I used to go, we, we weren't members of the country club, but I would be at the country club with friends or at the yacht club or, you know, any of the special events we were allowed to go to when we were young. And there was, you know, Sparky Herbert. Do you remember oh, yeah, that yeah, crazy yeah. shit going uh-huh. on? there. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing but cocaine and drugs and alcohol yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, really I think, at all the restaurants, though, I was a waitress yep. bartender, you know, and that's really where where I found it. Yeah. The hardcore stuff, like when I got there. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, I think that we have this uh, misnomer that it's isolated to rural and urban communities. And that's not simply isn't true. Mm-hmm. And our drug dealers have gotten a whole lot smarter. And they mm-hmm. realize moving it into the suburbs is where they're going to get the money they need. Yeah. And they can move it faster. They don't yeah. have to put the muscle on anybody to get what get their cash back. Right. Yeah. They can get because these kids have disposable income. The parents are busy, do what they need to do. You know, they're out of the home. The kids are alone. They have, here's, here's 20 years, 30 years, 40. They can mm-hmm. spend that money on drugs. That wasn't our case, but right. you and I certainly saw a shitload of it. For sure. Right? It went For on sure. all the time, mm-hmm. without a doubt. So if you're looking at Jules, which I am right now, she looks like um, a cheerleader. <laughs> You do, and you know you do. You look like the sweetest little angel face in the world. No one would ever suspect you ever had trouble with addiction. Now, me, I look a little dark and swarthier. Maybe, possibly, something might be out. I don't, I don't Are think you that. sure? I, no. I don't know. No. I've had some no. comments before from people like, what have you done in your past? Mm. This little girl I met not too long ago in Maine said, you're really dark. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know, you little asshole? <laughs> I don't even know you. You know what I mean? Um, Whitney, she's my nemesis in Maine. But anyways, <laughs> that's a long story. I, I do think that I, I probably do have a somewhat like innocent appearance. Yes. And and I mean, even to be honest, like in the depths of the crack houses, I would have people say to me like, you don't look like you belong here. Like yeah. you don't look like, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I did not fit the mold. But but I think that's like a really important part is that it's it's important to know that like there is no mold. There is no right? mold. Like drug addiction does not discriminate. No, it does not. And I think I think that's becoming more evident today a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. but but in our day, I mean, yeah, people that look like me and grew up like me typically don't smoke crack. No, they don't. And that's you know one of those drugs that is you know we did plenty of cocaine, but cr- crossing over into crack was like woo. Yeah. Hey, wait right. a minute. That's you know the rough stuff. It's like doing opiates. Pills or whatever, but heroin. Whoa, come right, on now. Right, that's that's like over right. the top. So okay, so we, you know, you and I were talking, and we are going to have so many things to talk about while you're on the show, and it's going to be fabulous. And we'll get down to the big, you know, we'll isolate certain topics and yeah. cover them. But can you kind of start giving us a little bit of a broad brush of um, how you started, what, where this kind of went, and you know where you are now? Sure. And if I, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not so good at broad brush because I am a talker, and I can like talk and talk and talk. So that's okay. Love, I'll just shut you down when you okay. get. To, okay, don't worry. Um, so I am the youngest child of five. Me too. Uh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes, I am. 
Um, the baby. I'm 58. I did not know. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, baby of, uh, and I was nine years younger than my brother. So okay. everybody was like one year apart. And then yeah. like nine years later, my mom's joke was that they went to a wedding and they changed her brand of scotch. Okay. And like then I was conceived. So, okay. Um, so growing up in my house though, like it was happy. My dad, uh, passed away alcoholic, but like the best guy ever. You know, okay. like not typical. He was he was wonderful. He was a loving dad. He was a funny dad. Uh-huh. My parents were huge partiers. They used to throw these like best parties ever, mm-hmm. you know, beach parties in the middle of winter with literally sand in our living room. Like they would bring in tarps and bring in like sand, bushels of sand. Oh, my gosh. And I remember like going to sleep at night, like literally hearing like the roar of the piano and like the clink of the ice. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Like, someday. I mean, they were dancing on tables. Sure. They were having a riot. There was, was a no lot of fun. repercussions. Mm-hmm. It was all like happy, joy, clink, clink, clink yep. in the glass, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So um, my brother, nine years older than me, my hero, he was the coolest person that I ever met in my life, probably to this day. Yeah. But I'll, he's also deceased now. Um, So he was a partier, but he was like the funniest quirkiest he had the coolest friends he had like mm-hmm. everything about him was just awesome i mm-hmm. wanted to listen to the same music as him i wanted to hang out with his friends i would like go steal his mixtapes and like i mean and he taught me to play quarters like with orange kool-aid when i was probably in fourth grade you know yeah. but like i didn't drink alcohol but i but the the intent was there right? sure sure and i used to like dream of my wedding day the way that like little girls dream about like getting i mean I used to dream about drinking the way that little girls drink about their wedding day. Like Mm -hmm. when I played Barbies, my Barbies drank. You know what I mean? Because it was just like the idea of like this world that was going to be unleashed for me when I could like crack open a beer. Well, it was, you know, it was part of the times too when when you're younger than I am. How old are you now? 45. 45. Okay. So you're quite a bit younger than I am. My father passed away when I was six. So my mom was always taking me to the Golden Lion with her for lunch. Okay. You remember the Golden Lion, right? Mm -hmm. That was uh, off of um, Ross and it was a really cool place named after one of the the lions opened it. Okay. From the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And the funny addendum to that is my mom told me I was conceived after a party in the backseat of a car with my dad <laughs> right? so we yeah drunk in the backseat yeah. so we were love children yeah we sure were right for sure so that's and a I mean, good thing i think yeah for, for sure loved and i mean my siblings like spoiled me rotten and loved me up mm-hmm. like crazy right mm-hmm. but drinking was normal in our home totally normal and, absolutely and, and not even like normal but like like I mean, we went to the Thanksgiving Day Parade to this day. It's, but I mean, like, there was like a three Bloody Mary minimum before you left the house. Sure. And we're talking about 7 a.m. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, it was embedded in the culture. Yeah. Like nobody's business. I mean, mm-hmm. I got my first bartending job, like, little side note. I got my first bartending job at Captain's, too. Do you remember Captain's? I worked yes. there for many years, right? Uh-huh. So I was waitressing there a little bit, and the bartending opened up, and I asked Captain. I was like, can I be the bartender? He's like, yeah, sure. So my parents came home from a trip, and they always would come in and see me. And they brought their friends, and the look on their face when they walked in and saw me behind the bar, like, it was like their proudest moment. Like, <laughs> she's a bartender. <laughs> they were so happy for me. For like, sure, free drinks. And then everything. I would, like, I would make hummers, and, like, we had a 
in-ground pool in our backyard, and I would make up hummers and, like, carry them into the pool on a tray and, like, serve them. My mom tells that story. Like, she's so proud. Still to this day, even though, like, so proud, right? Everything that's gone on. I mean, come hum- on. Hum- I do miss hummers. I am going to say I that. Know. They were pr- damn they tasty. They were pretty good. They were real but tasty. But we could that just have a I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, I know. There are some things though that didn't exist that I'm like, what is that about? Like that yeah. sounds intriguing. Um, so, anyways, I I had my first drink probably around seventh grade. I don't really remember. Like people mm-hmm. talk about remembering their first drink, and actually, no, it was way before second grade. I mean, I remember like um, but hot buttered rum. Yeah, like, my parents would drink or whiskey sour. Like I remember taking sips of all these things. Um, my first drunk puked my brains out. Mm-hmm. Couldn't wait to do it again. Best mm-hmm. day ever. <laughs> Boone's Farm. I did it. I was doing I shots vodka, of Boone's Farm. Straight vodka. Look. Uh, it's horrible. Mm. But like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm never doing that again. It was like, when can I do that again? Right? Yeah. So, and like every weekend with succession as mm-hmm. much as I could, you know, and in high school, this is also something that I feel like I thought this was normal. I, it's normal in Gross Point. I don't know if it's still normal in Gross Point. Yeah. But the alcohol, we were we drank every single weekend in high yes. school. And a lot. Yeah. And like it wasn't until I became more worldly that I learned that other people didn't drink like we did in high school, right? I, like yeah. I didn't know that. I thought everybody drank like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember like in health class – well, let me back up. This is this is an important thing that I think that I – it took me a long time to put this together. Mm-hmm. So even though I was a happy kid yeah, and like people – teachers would always describe me as bubbly and outgoing and I don't remember feeling well, – I do kind of remember feeling unhappy. I didn't feel unhappy but I felt like I didn't fit in, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. so I was always popular and I was always mm-hmm. friends with the popular people but I always felt like I was Im- an imposter and that I was going to be found out like at any second. As like, what? As a not cool enough. Oh, okay. Like my friends were always prettier than me and like skinnier than me and like had uh-huh. more boyfriends than me. But I was always like everybody's best friend. I was okay. always best friend with all the guys. Yeah. And I was hanging out with them, but I wasn't like really getting – I mean I, I was doing things with them. But like yes. I, I was not the first picked for the date. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, – but I remember like – and I think this speaks to like the internal condition that comes along mm-hmm. with the alcoholism. Um, I used to fake sick all the time. And, like, I look back and I'm like, Mom, why didn't you either take me to the hospital or take me to a therapist? Because this is before my brother died, right? Like, I would yeah. I would fake sick for, like, weeks at a time. Well, I think I haven't said that he, my brother died yet. I guess I got a little sidetracked. Well, you but, mentioned it, but well, we we'll, don't know why. We'll get back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I would fake sick. for. Like, I didn't want to go to school. I was never a student, which is funny. Now I'm in college getting A's, but I never was growing up. God, our lives are very similar. I used to fake sick all the time. Like, for weeks. Like, After my father died, I would always fake six. But that's also when my brother was actively using heroin, and I was scared to death he was going to kill my mom. So I was always yeah. I I was always scared. So I would find a phone in elementary school and call her and say I had to go to the bathroom or whatever. Then I would tell mom I was sick and I couldn't. Wanted to be home. Yeah, I wanted to be home to yeah to take care of her. Yeah, it's same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been able to pinpoint what mine was all Mm -hmm. about. I hated gym class. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to like, so I went I. to great pains to like get out of that. Yeah, right? sure. Um, but like, so I remember that at some point in time, I discovered Coracetin in my mom's drawer, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm talking fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Right. And I somehow, I don't know how this happened, but I discovered that if I took five Coracetin, that produced a desired effect, right? Ah. Like, and it was a double desired effect. One, it sort of made me like check out on the couch and be like kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. Sort of to look sick, right? Yeah. 
And number two, like that feeling of like, mm-hmm. I never thought like I'm getting high. Like I didn't know I was sure. getting high. But sure. like looking back, when I talk about my first drunk, I all I often forget about that. Mm-hmm. That was definitely like my first high, my definite my first experience with like getting out of myself. I did that as much as I could. Yeah. Right? And I knew that it was coursing and, and I knew that five I don't know if I started it too. I don't remember. I sure. don't remember what the progression That's was. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um so then like, you know, sixth, seventh grade, drank a little bit. Um I got caught like trying to commit suicide in seventh grade, but I don't really think I was. Like I don't really think I was suicidal. Also before my brother died. Um, I what think was, was that all about? I don't know. And I didn't actually try. My friend and I were like writing notes back to each other. We were going to do like a suicide pact. Okay. But I don't think I really wanted to die. I think it was just drama. I think it was my internal condition, right? Sure, like sure. screaming at me mm-hmm. to like get out because I hadn't really found like my liquid solution. Yet. Was that when the suicide girls came out? Yeah, that was well, written yeah, by a so guy was, at Gross Point. Well, and I don't know if you remember this. The suicide girl. I, I keep hearing about this. No, it was the Virgin Diaries. Or Virgin Diaries. Yeah, but yeah. there were these these girls. I think there was three or four of them. Yeah. Who had committed suicide. Oh, gosh. In, it, at Gross Point South. Did they really? And I know, I think only one died, but they all tried. And there was something glamorous about it. Ah. Like there was, I know it's horrible. It's, it's gotten horrible so huge. That. Now, we'll have a whole show on that at some point. We um, need to talk again so about it. So I don't know if I just, I don't know if I was trying to get out of my internal, because I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never really been diagnosed with, like, depression, but there's times in my life when I definitely feel like I, 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 I mean, I think I definitely probably have some kind of mental illness in there somewhere, right? That I've been treating all these years with different things, right? Well, yeah, well, maybe, you I know, don't know, maybe, maybe I mean, not. Sometimes it's just situational, girlfriend. Right. With so, a little bit of biological. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I never really, like, tried to kill myself, yeah. but, like, my mom found out and then they, like, put me in therapy for a second and then, like, she whisked me off to Florida on vacation, and then, but then my brother died. Right? What did he die of? Um, so I think the best way I can say what he died—I don't really, we don't really know. What was his name? His name was Tommy. Tommy. Okay. How old was um, he, honey? He was twenty-one. Oh, God. I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've stated, we really were like the best of friends. Yeah. And um, so I had learned he was a chef. Like, uh, he was going to go to culinary school, but he was mm-hmm. working in all the restaurants. Yeah. So he had like these hours that he would be out all night, you know. Yeah. And sleep all day. And um, it's a very long story, so we won't get into it now. Sure. Maybe some other uh-huh. time we can. But it's all kind of. Um, but there was evidence of of he was shot in the stomach. Maybe it was self-inflicted. Definitely not suicide. I don't identify with it as a suicide at all. I it's think. not a typical place you would no, shoot yourself. No, and it was a hunting rifle. So, like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, hmm. uh, what I say is he died as a consequence of his own drug addiction. Because okay. I think that I there's a chance somebody could have pulled the tr- trigger. There's a chance he could have pulled the trigger. It happened because there was too many drugs happening in yes. that home and that night. Okay, you know? and he wasn't in your home. He was no, he was elsewhere. in his own apartment in Gross Point Park on Weyburn. And um, my parents never really investigated it. I think that they did not need to know the details. Yeah, um, there's a lot of other things that go around with this story. There's a guy who had been kind of living with us on and off before this. Yeah, one of Tommy's friends, mm-hmm. and he was there that night, and mm. he called the police and then fled. Yeah. Uh, so Tommy was checked in as John Doe to the hospital, oh, but somebody recognized him. Can you imagine the woman who recognized him oh, as a friend of the family? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, I've never felt like it was a suicide. I mean, I know how it feels to come out of something like that. Do yeah. I think there's a chance that he maybe either purposely or impurposely pulled the trigger? Yeah, but I don't know. Was really it his consider- gun? 
we don't really know where the gun came from. And like, also, I'm so I was 13. Yeah. So there was things. There's things about it that I remember. We do talk about it as a family. Yeah. Um, but there's things that I don't really know. This must have been horrible for your mother. Yeah, and my dad. And I think my dad started drinking more like at that time. But what Mm -hmm. we did as a family is we were okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't I mean, my parents are very faithful religion, you know, so I think yeah. they were OK because they had faith. Yeah. And we used humor and we used we used a lot of different things to get through it. Yeah. Um, I know now that mm-hmm. I did not cope with it. Yeah. And for a long time, I would say like, oh, my God, like, no, my drug addiction and alcoholism has nothing to do with the fact that. I lost the most important person in my life. Sure. At 13, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. I now realize that it it, it definitely had an impact. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that happened was I went into like this good time. Where, like I only wanted to have fun. We don't we don't talk about bad things. We don't talk about sad things. Let's party. Where's the next party? Let me make you laugh. He was very much like the comic relief of our family. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I, I mean, I have to do that now. Like I have yeah. to make everybody laugh. I have to keep everybody happy. So I was like the mascot of the family. And yeah. Um, you know, and for years I kind of was, you know, mm-hmm. and, until I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then um, slowly but surely did other kind of drugs start creeping in yes. or what happened? So like I drank in high school a lot. Like I said, we smoked pot. We used yeah. to like drive around like the hood and listen Smoke to- weed. <laughs> listen Smoked to a lot. Of- like, we did. Smoked a and lot I- of weed in high school, yeah. but I was listening to Donna Summers. Well, you I- were listening to Gangster Rap. I was listening to a lot of Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan and that okay. stuff, but we also went through a Gangster Rap. Uh, phase where we'd like be like in our Catholic school uniforms, like I love gangster rap. By the way, I do. I'm a total <laughs> funk girl, man. You can't get that out of me. I still like it too, and I can oh, impress yeah. people by knowing lyrics. Oh, They're for not pretty sh- though, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, like we did some. Um, and in high school, really, there were not other drugs though. It was it yeah, was marijuana and a lot of alcohol. Well, yeah, like I was saying earlier. I mean, if you break into heroin or co or crack, you were like, dude, you're a fucking loser. Yeah. Well, plus there was twenty six people in my like little tiny high school, right? Like, yeah. so, or in our grade. Mm-hmm. And I was class president. Like, I was, of course you, you were, know, but like, I don't uh-huh. know. How I look back at men. I'm like, wow. <laughs> How did that happen? Like, I yeah. have nothing to offer, really. <laughs> like, except, a, except a big smile. But you were widely popular. And, and you're super manipulative. And a contagious <laughs> laugh. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? Sure. It's all important. Super manipulative. Knew how to wrap everybody around my little finger. Uh-huh. You know, always. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, right after college, I moved out to Utah. I did, mm-hmm. couldn't get into college anywhere. My mom was like, we're not paying for you. Yeah. But then in January, my cousin, who was a good influence, yes. um, her, their family had moved to Utah. So I moved out to St. George, Utah to go to college. And the joke was a little bit on me because I thought, like, I'm a hippie and I'm a deadhead. So, like, mm-hmm. I should live out west. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that Utah's, like, Mormon. Mormon country. And people don't really, like, party. <laughs> Move out there to be a sister wife. Yeah. So, like, I corrupted some Mormons. Uh-huh. Uh, I majored in beer bong. I was so good at beer bonging. Mm-hmm. Like, the best beer bonger you've ever met. Um, and I lasted six months. I went to school three times. I, if if three times. I'm not even sure. Sure. I, I throw that number out there. I know mm-hmm. I know. I went once. I remember. Um, and now I can kind of say, like, anxiety, I think, was probably an issue, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we used to, we were an hour and a half away from Vegas, so we used to go to Vegas, cause you can't, you really like, it's hard to party in Utah. But I had to find it, right? Of course, it, yeah. I'm um, surprised they don't have dry counties there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. 
And I don't really even know. Whatever. It's it's a blur. Yeah. It was pretty fun, but we just drank a lot. Um, so then I came home and I started waitressing, started bartending, moved above um, a bar down in the cabbage pa- the cabbage patch is what they call like the yes. seedy part of Gross Point. The seedy part. <laughs> but it's the fun part. And now it's pretty cool, actually. It's not really seedy anymore. Really? It's like, yeah. It's, it's is not- Rustic still there? Yep, Rustics is still there, and so is the tap room. So and I, lived the, above I was just going to say, and the, yes. okay, you lived yes. above the tap yes. room, yes. right on. They used to serve me beer when I was in my concert choir gown <laughs> from in high school. Okay, how wrong from is other that? Oh, it wasn't like that for us. It was yeah. Like, tap room was definitely like the hipster kind of place to be at that time. Yeah, and it was gorgeous. We paid four hundred dollars a month for this three bedroom. And there were two floors, so there's like the our floor, and then there was like an attic. So there's like seven of us that lived there, and How we nice. had the best time ever. Like people talk about like the epic parties. I've always been into like making people do like the hokey pokey. Like I have pictures of like the coolest people in town like doing the hokey pokey in Fun. my apartment because I just made them do it. Right? Yeah. Um. So that's where the drugs came in. When I started bartending and I started waitressing, I started hanging out at like different bars. And, um, so for a long time I was for sure that I was never going to do cocaine because I knew that it had a hand in my brother's death. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I would never do that. And, and I, my friends actually discovered it before I did. And I remember like we had this huge fight and I kicked everyone out of our apartment because I found out there was cocaine there. Okay. Then I think like the next month I did cocaine. And the first time I tried coke, uh, the heavens opened. Like it was the best thing I had ever experienced in my life. It made me beautiful. Yeah. Very smart. Absolutely. Quite sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was a puker. I used to puke every time I drank. Yeah. Cocaine made me not puke. Oh, okay. I could stay up all night. <laughs> yep. And I was hanging out with all these like these rock star guys, right? Uh-huh. Like, they were all guitar player, long hairs. And I fancy myself a singer. I'm really not one. But, like, they thought I was a great singer. So we would stay up all night and, like, play music and do lines and, like, listen. You know, we were so cool. Like, I thought I had arrived. Like, for real. Like, it was the best. That's how it starts anyway. Totally. And, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. fun until it wasn't fun. But cocaine is a drug that does not stay pretty for long. No. Right? No, it does not. And, That's the uh, first thing I gave up was cocaine before uh, alcohol. I don't know how you did that. Like, I hated I it. I hated it. I couldn't. It. Well, because you know what? I only used cocaine to keep me up. You know, I mean, yeah. the, after I mean, I did my first lines at um, oh god, what was that place that that guy owned? I forget, but it was like it was like Peruvian flake. All right, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I don't want to do it. I'm gonna die. You know, and he's yeah, like, you're not going to die. Then I would do more. Yeah, it's going to be okay. You're not going to die. Just do a little bit, you know, and then you're right. The heavens opened. It was a really good time. But I found that with my anxiety disorder, because I have general anxiety disorder, but I didn't know what it was at the time. I just thought it was a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. It just made me drink like yeah. hollow legs and arms. Yeah. I mean, and then the hangovers were Ugh, so, so bad. bad the next day that I would be in tears. And so that was one of what that was really literally why I gave it up. Yeah. I remember for a while we lived um, next, like a couple doors down from a church and I would get home at like 6 a.m. And then those fucking church bells. Oh, would yeah. Be, Birds oh. chirping, people mowing their and lawns now, and you're yeah. still sitting oh, up going, I hate myself. Yeah, like you hate to hear birds chirping. Now oh. it's like I wake up at 530. I like, like sometimes yay. go for a run. I love the bird, you know. Life is good. I have a child. Uh, sunrise, yeah. like yes. a beautiful thing. Back then I was like, oh, I was up when the sun rose. I know. So um, when did you st- st- uh, walk over into the dark side? So 
I within a couple of years of doing coke, I was doing so much coke that my nose hurt, you know. And then, yeah. so I remember, like, I was at this party after hours. We hung out at this CD bar. Because um, by this point, I kind of like was branching away from my friends because I wanted to drink more than they did, and I yeah. wanted to stay up later than they did. And they were going to like cool, and I just wanted to disappear. I yeah. like dark, seedy, windowless bars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like dens of iniquity. Is yes. where I wanted to be. Yeah. And I was, you know, had lots of gross boyfriends. And like just, you know. There's plenty in Detroit. I yeah. used to head down to Detroit for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, or East Warren. I like to hang out at, like on East Warren. Yeah. That was like mm-hmm. my um, mm-hmm. territory. So my friends were like getting cool and like hanging out with cool people. And I was like disappearing into like the depths of hell. Yeah. Much, right. For sure. So, I don't know um, how I wasn't murdered. Honestly. Oh, my God. Same. I, I was in know. a house that got firebombed one time. Um, <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was kind of dating this guy and I wanted to get some coke and our I mean the drug dealer used to hang out at the bar right but he wasn't there that night so mm-hmm. he's like well let's go over to so and so's house and we'll go like get some and this is before cell phones when we used to have to chase it down yeah it I think it was when I think I this is like the beginning of the cell phone yeah it was like the flip phone you know but okay. we did I think I think this is like maybe the year that I got a, a flip phone okay but it was always turned off because I can never afford to be the bell <laughs> yeah doing there it. you go I'm spending all my money on drugs mm-hmm. um so we went – so I had heard that, like, people were smoking crack. And at this point, I don't think I knew yet that that was part of my brother's story. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can't remember. I knew cocaine was, but I don't – I think it wasn't until I started smoking crack that I realized that he was, you know, like – Yeah, it was starting to make sense. Yeah. So I remember, like, hearing, like, this girl that I was really good friends with. They, like, went to Seven Eleven like, at 3 in the morning and never came back. And, like, I found out that they – it's because they had gone to, like, get crack and, like – Yeah. And I remember the next day being, like – what? Like people, people smoke crack. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought it was the only people that smoke crack are the people that you found like wandering around the ghetto that sure. like don't have shoes on mm-hmm. that like don't like, I didn't know that like people like me and you like smoke yeah, crack. Sure. Right? Sure. So I was like, crack, like what? And then I found out that this guy that I had dated like in high school who was kind of hanging out in that scene, like he was smoking crack. And I was like, what? Marky smoking? What the hell? Like, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so this night we went over to this house to get to get Coke and there was no Coke. And before I know it, I've got like a crack pipe in my hand and like my boyfriend's like, you know, loading it up for me. Yeah. And uh, it did not change my life that night. Like I felt like, eh, what's all the fuss about? Mm-hmm. But then for the next 10 years, I <laughs> went in like horrible ups and downs and benders. And I mean, I did all the things that we do for drugs, right? Like, yeah. Um, and and broke hearts and I mean I don't know how mm-hmm. much in depth we want to go with that tonight but it was mm-hmm. it was ugly and mm-hmm. at the end you know as I, I was dating somebody where we uh, had access to a lot of money that wasn't ours yeah you know? so uh-huh. we were uh, basically mm-hmm. stealing uh, about thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars and um, staying high every day so I would say at the end I was smoking probably between five hundred and a thousand dollars worth of crack a day. Oh my god! And um, and that's a lot. Yeah, it was, and I mean, uh-huh. I was sharing it with other people, so I wouldn't say like I sure, consumed sure, all that. Sure. But like, and that was probably only for about the last ninety days or so. But mm-hmm. at the end, I was you know drinking mass quantities. I would fill up you know like those big, the old fashioned like Weight Watchers jugs. Yeah, Do you remember that you're like you're supposed to drink. This? Sure, we would fill it up with like um, vodka, Smirnoff Ice. You know, like those, yeah. like mall, and then like orange drink, mm-hmm. and like just carry that around all day. And like we were never, like I, I just didn't, I didn't make a sober, take a sober breath. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And I stole, and I cheated, and I lied, and I, I think about like my friends were having babies, and I just could not have cared less. Yeah. I just didn't 
care mm-hmm. about you for a second. Yeah. It was all about me and what I could get out of you. Like that if I thought that you would benefit me, I would keep you around, but like you know, I well, look at you know, that's one news. of the things that I constantly impress on like families that come to me about their children, which we'll do shows on that, is that um, you know, you you realize you're talking to the addict. So if you know consequences is all you have to offer an addict. If, if an addict will keep coming back to you, keep coming back to you, and if they can get what they want, until you stop giving them what they want, they won't stop coming around. And that's the only thing they know. If you make it hard for them, because I used to deal with this, then then they might start to think this is really difficult to be a drug addict. You know, I used to have um, at Sacred Heart, um, you know, when I did all the family, I did the family talks. So all the families that would come in every week, I would talk to about 150 people every day, every Sunday and say, listen, you know, this or that, you have to cut them off. They don't need any money. You know, if they need to get, oh, I need money to get myself to AA or this or that, then drive them. You can't trust them. They can't trust themselves. Totally. And I would every single week have some father or mother say to me, my child's not going to die out on the streets. They're, how dare you? And we're pissed off at me. And I'd say, well, then they're going to die in their bedroom at your house. And that's what's going to happen. If you think it's not going to, it will. And- you know, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's the truth of it. It's, if you make it easy for them, yeah. they'll just be a drug addict at home. I'll tell you, I think it's absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. And my parents, God bless their hearts. Yep. They kept me sick for a long, long time because sure. they believed every pile of shit I gave them. Yep. And I did not steal from them. Uh-huh. Uh, my sister, who's a dentist, who I worked for for many years. Who and lives, my good no, friend, too. And your dentist. I love her. Um, she, uh, I stole from her. Mm-hmm. And um, but I never stole from my parents. But what I would do is I create these elaborate lies to um, so that they would pay my rent because I spent my rent money the night that I got my check. Right. Yeah. So like they paid for my car, they paid for my rent, they paid for everything. So they they I never felt it took me years to feel consequences. Yeah. And the Enabling. only reason that I went to treatment is because they weren't going to do it anymore. They finally found out the truth. Like mm-hmm. there's a couple of times over the years that I kind of like tried to sober up like a little bit and then I would like be better and then I would do this and I had everyone convinced that it was okay if I drank a little bit as long as I wasn't like doing drugs. Oh, I love, and, I know the, the negotiations. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm not, I never ever liked alcohol, but at least I'm not doing Coke. So a couple of drinks isn't going to matter, but every single addict I've ever known in my life, I settled on alcohol. Everybody settles on alcohol in the end. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what I know about myself today. Um, I know many people who have settled like into like the marijuana maintenance program, right? Yeah. And like that might work for some people, but here's what I know about myself. Yes. I know that if I smoke pot tomorrow, did they mm-hmm. call it pot anymore? Pot? <laughs> Hopped um, up on the pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I firmly believe that in a month from today, it's all over. You got that. I am, yeah. I am doing it all because once I give up that, mm-hmm. and that, that experiment goes well because mm-hmm. it's natural, right? Like mm-hmm. pot, and I, the whole like, like edible thing, like I just, I just, it scares me. It scares me, and it should. It I should scare that, you. Um, and I know that, like, so for me, any mind or mind or mood altering substance is one thousand percent off limit, including sometimes Benadryl. 
Do you know what uh, I mean? Of, like, absolutely. And Julie, let me say this, you know, um, a lot of times what that does, and I tell this to patients all the time, you're keeping the beast alive mm-hmm. if you feed it. So we're trying to keep that, that guy dormant and dead down there. Okay. It's like smog, right? Mm-hmm. Laying in the gold, keep it asleep, keep it down there. If we feed it, for you, it may be weed. For me, um, I have this thing like I won't even like people say it's rum cake. It's oh God, all, no! I'm like I'm, I'm not. I'm mm. not I, even if I know it's all burnt off, I'm a chef mm. by trade. You know, I know it's all the alcohols out of it, but I don't need to go there. It's that's just my thing, right? So Absolutely. if people drink too many, too many, um, if it's weed or if it's too many um, monsters. Five hour energies, shit like that. You're just, you know, uh, Adderall, mm. whatever it is, too much NyQuil, yeah. uh, over the counter ZQuil, stuff like that. It just sw- keeps the switch on yep. and smog starts to rise. Yep. And the next thing you know, I think it gives us a willingness to, to go to the next step. You know, as long as yeah. we keep those boundaries in place and firm, smog stays asleep. But if we start opening up little doors of like this or that, and we all have to know what those are, then we're going to go take it to the next thing. Well, I, it's no big deal. I'll just have a little wine. It's Christmas. Yeah. I, yeah. Had, a, I had an experience with kombucha. Are you familiar with kombucha? Yes. Somebody offered me that and I looked it up and it said there was alcohol in it. And I was like, can't do, can't uh, yeah. do. And so, they're like, what? I had been hearing about this, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, on a... I, I, the mother host. That is the grossest oh thing my in the God. world. It is, but it's like got all these health benefits. So weird. Right? And so, but I'm like this Orb health journey. growing in there. <laughs> totally. And it's like, it's like a big booger. It like, is so it totally is like nasty. And they call it the mother. That's they what do. freaks me they, out more than anything. Like, the mother. <laughs> so gnarly. So, but like I didn't know that much about it. It's yeah. that I had been reading like it's full of probiotics and it's this oh, and it's yeah. that. And you know, like I'm on this health journey and I'm always trying to find stuff to like make myself healthier, right? So, yeah, because that's what you do when you're sober. Right. <laughs> Because I care. Today, I'm the same right? way. Uh-huh. So I'm walking through the grocery store and I'm really hungry and I'm really thirsty. Uh-huh. And um and and I, I'm like, I'm gonna try this, right? So yeah. I, I hadn't eaten, like, right? So I go home and I slam it. It's like really hot summer day. Yeah. And I slam it down. I didn't even look at alcohol. I didn't never thought sure. of it. Sure. Slam it down and I was like, zoom. Like I felt like, hey, <laughs> hey, what's up? Like so immediately, and I don't think you're supposed to slam them, by the way. And I okay. don't think that you're supposed to probably have them. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I immediately look over and I, I forget. There's some that have a little more percentage. This particular one was a low percentage. Sure. But it was enough that I will tell you, I felt ignited. Mm-hmm. I called my sponsor right away. Yeah. And I like talk about that as much as I can because I, I see people in AA drink them and I'm like, uh, and it, yeah. I, Bad idea, as far For as I'm sure. concerned. I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. And people don't think that that um, has anything to do with anything. As long as I'm not drinking a vodka on the rocks, what's the difference? Right. This is just caffeine. Mm-hmm. Dude, do you know how many cups of coffee are in that? Right. Now, I will admit, hello, in full disclosure, I'm addicted to Starbucks. But that's, Me too. That's one a day. It's a I grande for the love of God. Coffee it's a grande. Is a food group, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you very much. You're uh, but I admit to it that you know I have one a day, and I can't. I you know too much makes me too anxious. But, yeah. But you know people don't. That is like that's my. I look forward to that for God's sake. Yeah. I got to be able to do something. Right? God we damn need it. Our <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. Got to have one damn right? vice. Right? You know what I mean? I'm so right. freaking healthy. I went to the doctors recently for uh, an outpatient surgery. But they had to do it at the hospital. And they're like, okay, so what meds are you on? You know, and I'm like, vitamin D3. 
(laughs) (laughs) Totally. um, I take a probiotic. Uh, No Maltese anymore. No, I'm not into that. Let me see. What else is there? And I went on. And in full disclosure also, for me, with my panic anxiety disorder, I do take a small amount of Xanax as needed through my psychiatrist, which has been monitored for many, many years when I have panic attacks. So that. And she, but anyways, she said to me, she said, oh, my God. Really? That's it? I'm like at 58. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's it, man. When you know, I it's li- living this damn clean lifestyle is right. keeping me healthy. Yeah, but totally. Anyways, I th- I'm was, even off sugar right now. Oh, <clears throat> you're like weaning off sugar. 32 days, no sugar. I think something okay. like that. Well, but you know, I I'm know. gonna give in. It was I was doing the whole 30, so like I don't know. It's talk totally, about a new food group. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Dessert after giving up alcohol? I'm oh, like, what Lord. you got I know, I over there? I gained like 40 pounds my first year of sobriety. Oh, but it's just gone now. sugar is so. Fun. It is. Oh it my is. god, I love time. it. But I have to really restrict it. Yeah. Last night, okay. Now that, well, I need to get to the end of your story, damn it. And we're running out of time. Okay. I knew you told you this would happen. I know. Okay, um, so um, but last night I ordered a pizza for Scott and I, and I watch every carb and everything else, right? And I, I, he's like, please, please, can we just have a pizza? It's been like a year, honest to God, a year <laughs> since we've had a pizza because I was running around and busy. I bought, I might as well have bought a bottle of vodka. The guilt that went along oh, with eating I that pizza, you. it was ridiculous. It is. It's terrible. It was ridiculous. I'm terrible. like, I'm a sinner. I've taken in over 20 carbs today. <laughs> I'm a sinner. I am familiar with your guilt. I it's absurd. It. And now I'm just all about moderation. I don't yeah, give a shit. I'm I not, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm trying I'm to figure it out. I'm going to end up with an eating disorder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stressing over this shit. Anyways, that's all a side note. So back to you, love. Okay. So then what happened? Let's. We got about 20 more minutes. And so, so what happened next? I mean, I guess like, so what happened was I, uh, I went downhill. I was unemployable. Yeah. I couldn't get a job. I lost my job. I lost every job. I got evicted from 17 different places in a matter mm-hmm. of minutes. I mean- and here's the thing. Put this together. My parents were paying my rent. Yeah. So why was I getting evicted? Yeah. I was like the worst tenant in the world. I mean, yeah. our last place, like we we fled because we like believed that people were looking for us. I, I don't even know. I paranoia? Mean, you had some, delusion, some heavy paranoia. paranoia. Okay. And it's like a girl like me who was class president of her all-girls Catholic high school mm-hmm. is now, I mean, living in the depths of hell. Right? Yeah. And it God was sad. Yeah. And I was... I was bankrupt, like, emotionally, physically. Um, some of my friends were kind of still hanging around, but, like, the word was kind of out. Like, don't go, don't, don't, don't get your wallet out around yeah, her. I mean, it sure, really was, Sure, and rightly like, so. I was just sucked the life out of everyone. And, I mean, occasionally I could still show up and, like, put on a good face. You mm-hmm. know, like, I think my parents kept wanting to, like, believe the best, right? Yeah, like, God and, love them. It's a hard thing. And, I mean, my, my personality was still my personality, so I was mm-hmm. still, like, pretty, but I would, people would hire me to, like, house it. And like, yeah. I would, I mean, I have stories that would, I mean, terrible. And you know what the beauty of this though? So I say this all the time. So what happened was I went to rehab. Mm-hmm. I went to Brighton. Did you? Okay. Uh, 10 days only, you know, that's all that insurance would pay for. Then yeah. I went to a three quarter house because that was what was recommended mm-hmm. in Jackson, Michigan. So mm-hmm. they said, get her out of the city. Which, I don't know, my mom says all the time, don't you think that's what saved you? I'm like, I no, I don't really. I yeah. think that I was ready. You I saved I mean, you. Only when know. you're ready. I'm sorry. And I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was probably good for me to get out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. It took the temptation to try and go look for my old friends away because, you know, here's the thing. 
People say, oh, those people aren't your friends. I disagree. Mm-hmm. Those people who you are running the streets with and trying yes. to get, you are close to them. They are Closer your family. Closer than anybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I still love those people. Yeah. Some of them are dead. Many yeah. of them are sober. Yes. Good to hear. Beautiful. Good. It's beautiful. Yes. It's my favorite. It's yeah. my favorite when that comes full circle. Yeah. Um, and when I see somebody who I used to sit in the basement of a crack house with at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous... That's a tearful can, moment. Oh, my God. Is it ever? And it's wow, happened a lot. That's you beautiful. Know? I love hearing that. They don't all stay, but, but yep. it, it happens a lot. So mm-hmm. it is It is a beautiful thing. Yep. Um, so I went to a three-quarter house. I took suggestions. I uh, I got kicked out of the three-quarter house. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because I was using. It was because, um, I mean, to be honest, even all these years of sobriety later, there's some pretty messed up stuff going on in that house and the woman who was running that house was not very healthy i know that mm-hmm. um i know so how I that really, goes i don't there was some stuff that i did that probably wasn't right i didn't get a job in the allotted time but there's a lot more to that story mm-hmm. um so then i called my parents because i thought that they would come get me yeah they thought i had orchestrated the whole thing sure and for the first time in my life they didn't bail me out yay that saved yeah, your life it was amazing mm-hmm um, so I stayed in Jackson for a little while. I had a couple of friends help me out. As soon as my parents saw that I was really trying, they helped me get my own apartment. And that was an appropriate use of parental love. Yes. You know, it was yep. not enabling. Exactly. It was like they could see that I was doing the right thing. Then I got, you know, I just one, my first five years of sobriety were amazing. Everything good happened. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's the best part of this story. Things didn't always stay great, right? Like no, I've had a they lot. don't. I've had a lot. I've had a divorce. I've lost my dad. I've lost people. I've I've lost jobs. I've lost, you know, yeah. life has happened in the last sure. 14 years. But Which because, is normal. Totally. But because I built the foundation that I did early on, mm-hmm. I was prepared for all of it. I yep. didn't have to pick up over it. I didn't yep. have to. I learned lessons through it all. Mm-hmm. And I say all the time, like, I myself am still a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I still go to AA. I still sponsor an AA. Mm-hmm. And I will be the first person to say that Alcoholics Anonymous has absolutely saved my life. And every single thing that I have in my life today, I attribute to the program and yeah. to working the steps and to sticking around. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm, I'm a, I get to be a, a mother, sister, friend, daughter, yeah, you know, functioning member of society, honest, volunteering, you know, like it's, sure. the list is long and I sure. can't, I can't believe the things that I've been able to do to light in life because because I got to put down the alcohol. It's the drugs. it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing what happens. And you know, that's one of the things you and I were talking about earlier is that you know, a lot of people really dump all over the program, but you're not ready then. Then okay, you're just not ready. Right. I do not attend AA anymore, but I have my own spiritual journey I'm on, but I am a huge 100% advocate of Alcoholics Anonymous. If I had great meetings by me, I live out way out in the country in nowhere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are male dominated and it's it's just not my thing. Yeah. Okay, I need more groovy like women like me yeah. kind of thing that are in recovery. And um, because I am not opposed to going to a meeting, I love to be able to jam and talk with people about our addiction and what we've been through. But it has a 95% per- success rate if you do it right. Yeah. And that's free. Hello, free. Did you hear me? Free. free. Yes. It's not one of these, you know, Malibu right, Heights right, things right. where, you know, 21 days is $25,000 right. and you come home and start the same shit all over yeah. again. 
It's about making a, would you agree with this? Making a conscious decision at one point that this is not going to work for me anymore. I've got to quit and I've got to do whatever it takes. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what else. I don't know if you agree with this. Hmm. I've noticed that in every, any self-help book that I've ever picked up, and I don't, to be honest, I don't need to pick up a lot of them in, in, anymore because I got all my self-help I need in the 12 steps, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But what I've noticed in the ones I have, like uh, I've read a couple, like Girl, Wash Your Face, I really liked, mm-hmm, and You mm-hmm. Are a Badass, I really liked. I took stuff from both of those. Mm-hmm. But what I notice in a lot of these things is that they're kind of all based in the 12 steps in like some way, sure. right? Like own your shit. Say your shit, get over your shit, yep. right? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a God portion, which I think freaks people out because it, it doesn't does. have to be Jesus Christ Almighty. It, it could be, be the universe, it yeah, could be whatever your, perce- your conception of God is. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, but I think the word God freaks people out. It doesn't yeah. need to, but it does. I know, but yeah. I think that like I'm able to take things from different like self helpy type stuff that I wouldn't have been able to be if I hadn't, because I can kind of apply the steps. You know? Yep, without a doubt. Um, I've talked about this before. I, I first got, before I got sober, I read Dr. Phil, well, in the beginning, I read self-help, or I mean, um, self, uh, oh, what the heck is it? Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank right now. His first book that came out, Self Matters, I believe it was. And, um, it changed, and, and I read it drunk, and of course, it didn't work. <laughs> When this I read is it, the best shit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't want to do the exercises because it kept, kept popping up. I was a victim. I didn't like that, right? So then, after I got sober and I did it, everything changed. Yeah, everything changed, and I was asked to be on the show. I think I told you. Yeah, that. yeah, you knew yeah. That, you right? did tell me. I th- yeah. yeah. To talk about it, and then Andre Agassi um, screwed it up for me. But anyways, that's all right. Uh, <clears throat> because he came on and they blew my spot out of there. Aww. But yeah, I know. But you know what? I I've depended on self help books for a lot. And I went to IOP Intention Outpatient Patient Therapy, which people don't know about, which is AA based. I went to A at ninety days, ninety and ninety days. That was the best thing I did because don't you agree? You have to reprogram your brain for sure to start thinking differently. For you sure. weren't ripping and running like that all those years, and then one day going to go, okay, everything's back to normal. I'm not yeah. going to ever have those thoughts anymore. There's damage, yeah, because so people say it's damage. like a cult. It is, yeah. Hopefully, because we're yeah. going to retrain the way you think yeah. and feel. And I mean, if it's a cult, it's the best one mm-hmm. out there. But I, I, there, I guess there are cultish properties to it. That's just what they say. To I know. Me. Lots of people do say that. And so I get I get it, angry at the things that people say about AA they just say, because it's been so important to me and, and, and so how, many oh my, people I love. And it works. And people don't, they don't understand that. It works. And they, um, they uh, demonize it. Yeah. You know, they really do demonize it. And for no good reason that I can find. I had a teacher. So I'm in the human services program and, mm-hmm. um, which this is funny. So I was in this program 25 years ago. And when I took the substance abuse class, I dropped the pro, I just stopped going because mm-hmm. it was hitting way too close to home. Right. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. now, I'm, now I'm back completing, but I started all those yeah. years ago. But I've had teachers, uh, say like, Oh, no, AA, we don't recommend that for life. Really? It's, it's okay for a little bit, but people get dependent on it. So, I mean, him, he was, he was crazy. He was the worst. I hate yeah. him. Um, but he would say like, Oh yeah, no, people get too dependent on it. It's like they get addicted to it. And I'm thinking, and people can be crazy at AA. And I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, people can be crazy anywhere. Yes. But the people who I know in AA that are like have done the stuff and are doing the work and they're not crazy. None of Listen, them are crazy. Of course. I've been to some, I talk about crazy. Central Phoenix, I was going to these meetings. I'm the only white woman there because it's all Hispanic. And I'm like, hi. Ah, uh, today I feel like this. I feel like that. And you know, all men. 
you know, but I went. Yeah. It's about making the effort. You yeah. Know? It's about Getting doing. Getting out of the comfort zone. Exactly. And, and working on your sobriety every single day. I mean, you can't just half-ass it. Because I hear this all the time from patients that will tell their parents, um, you know, and these are grown men, tell their wives and women and stuff like that. There's nothing but addicts there. Yeah. You can get drugs and alcohol there all day long. Yeah. My friend told me that her husband can't go to AA because there's too many women there that hit on him. (laughs) Oh, okay. Really? You're that hot. You have missed your calling. (laughs) You should be in movies. You know, you're just that hot. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants you. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is, so where are you right now? And, you know, how do you feel right now? Um. So right now I'm really good. I, I still, I make an effort to go to a couple meetings a week. I uh-huh. sponsor a couple girls. Um. I don't always make it right now, sometimes, to be honest. And my sponsor probably wouldn't let like this. Sometimes physical exercise trumps meetings for me right now. Yeah. Um, it's super important. Though. It's super important, and I'm, I'm really helps. I'm trying to. My goal is half marathon in June, so I need to. Um, I you need to rock run it, to get girl! There, right? I see you. All oh, your pictures of so, you running your um, ass off out yeah, there. Don't I mean, count me in on I that. Got, I still got a good, you know, bit of weight to take off here, but um, but I mean, I I can do it. You can do things. Whatever. You look fabulous. Thank you. Thanks. You look fabulous. So um. So, but I mean, I consider recovery still a really, a really important part of my life. But you know what else? It's not the first three things you need to know about me anymore. Yeah. You know, which I like that. For so mm-hmm. long, alcoholism defined me, either because it was crippling me or because I was so proud of myself for getting sober and the world needed to know and that's all I could talk about mm-hmm. or because I was recovering. And now I feel like I finally have gotten out of all of those phases and now it's an important part of me. Like I would never let it go and I don't regret it. There's nothing I sure. regret. Sure. I wouldn't take any of it back. I feel like so grateful for the path that has put me on the path. I feel so fortunate to have been able to like tap into all this like introspective stuff Mm because I wouldn't be me without it, you know? Absolutely. But also like that terrible bar that I did all my first things at, Mm -hmm. that's where I met my husband. Yeah. Right? So like I would not have my son if I hadn't gone into that bar. Yep. It is probably the thing that turned things for me, but I don't know. I think I would have probably discovered that stuff somewhere else if it wasn't there. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah. I think that um, things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Yeah. They they fold out and become what they're supposed to become. So, yeah. Now it's a part of me that you know when you need to know. I always tell people, I don't mind if you tell my story. I don't mind if you need, use my name and I don't mind if you give my phone number. But don't do it in a gossipy way. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't be like, I heard she was to smoke crack. <laughs> yeah. But if you have a friend who smokes crack and can't get off it, please give them my phone number please. if they want some help, right? Like, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, don't don't gossip about me. You but know, share my story if for it's sure. And you know, in my work as a social worker and um, doing, you know, as a therapist, it's still the most rewarding thing that I do is getting somebody sober, helping somebody on their yeah, sober journey. Sure, um, it's tremendously rewarding. And one of the things that I think is is so helpful for people is that I just understand. I understand where you're coming from. I understand how you feel. But if we play the tape through, it's still the same outcome if you keep up this behavior and you know it, you know. And then there's always our hopeless people that aren't ever going to find recovery. And I feel very sad for that, you know, when I see them. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever been out somewhere and seen somebody and gone, oh, my God. Well, I know people who have been coming as long as I've been coming and they're still relapsing every other week. Yeah. It breaks my heart heart Mm -hmm. and you know with today with all the fentanyl going and stuff you know it's people are dying too fast left and right from that my friend's son died of it their only son 21 
of a fentanyl overdose. He didn't even know it was in there. But, no. But the supply I mean, and demand, there's so much. Well, and there. I think the thing is with heroin, I hate to say it, but like I, this is my perspective. When I know someone's addicted to heroin, I almost expect them to die at mm-hmm. some point. But when mm-hmm. we're talking about crack and cocaine, it isn't that common to overdose when you're doing that drug and no. die. But now it is. I know people who this year have died from smoking crack and snorting cocaine because it was laced with fentanyl. Yes. Yep. I mean, and, and and how that's happening, I have no idea. You have no idea what you're even getting out there. Mm-hmm. It's really some spooky, spooky, spooky stuff. And I'm so grateful I'm not part of that anymore. Oh. But I pray so hard for everyone who is. You oh, know, I it's know. It's terrifying. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because both between you and I, I can only imagine how many people we've both lost. Mm. Too many. Tons of people. Way too many yeah. people. Um, how, you know, um, your husband, is he fully supportive of your journey yeah like i think he doesn't totally get it it's weird because even though he knew me then and then we were not in touch for many years so Mm -hmm. we've known each other years but only so yeah he is i don't think he totally gets it i don't think he totally understands like the need sometimes he acts like i'm going to a social outing when i'm going to meeting yeah and i mean on friday nights it is kind of my social gig you know like friday nights i go to my meeting and it's sometimes all i get to do um but yeah, he is supportive. I, I don't know that, like I said, he fully understands it. He definitely knows that I'm different than I used to be. Sure. Um, he can trust his, his money around me. <laughs> like, you know, probably not going to steal anything from him. I mean, we both our names are on the bank account. So, sure. You know. <laughs> my husband, my husband understands as best he can. Yeah. He even suggested one time, he said not long ago, actually, Liz, I don't see why you just couldn't have a glass of wine. It's not a big deal. I'm like, dear God, I can't believe those words came out yeah. of your mouth. Don't ever say yeah. it again. And that was the end of that. Yeah. Well, Jules, um, I'm so glad that you came. It was and awesome. I, it's, I and your it. story. And we have so much more to talk about. I'm so glad you've agreed to join me once a month to tell your yeah. story and get into more detail so you and I can help more people. I think, can't thank you enough for coming in and being so open and honest. Yeah, we have to own our shit, right? Definitely. And it's awesome. Thank you very much, honey. Thank you to Jessica, my engineer. Please follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, It's uh, more than a good time coming here every week that I come. I've missed the days that I've been away. Um, We're going to play a great outro song by my brother, Danny. Get your ass up off the couch and do something with your life. We're here to support you and help you. And from my heart to yours... Be good to yourself. Namaste. Namaste.